0: Encouraged from the volume level, I would say many of you are secure in who you are and have something to represent your identity. Now I'm curious. If I were to take away your wallet, your purse, your watch, your clothes, or you were traveling and you lost them, would you know who you are? Or more importantly, would the people that were with you, that were around you, be able to identify. You, are the things that you put on, the diplomas you hang on your wall, the collectibles on your shelf, are those things that you'll take with eternity, are those things that define who you are? Well, we're going to be looking at the body, the heart, and the mind for this series, We're going to see how they intersect and combine at the end. Tonight, we're going to start with our body. The body works. And be able to understand who we are in relationship to what God has given us. Because when we were born, we came out of the womb and we had our body. That's what we were given. That's what we started with. So it seems like a very good starting place for us. Now, because some of you may not want to examine your bodies... You'd rather talk about your intellect, or perhaps your emotion, or maybe even your credentials. I have something to share from you from this devotional that I've been reading. It's by Neil Anderson. It's Who I Am in Christ. And he talks about the following. He says, Paul said, none of those apply anymore because our identity is no longer determined by our physical heritage, social standing, or racial distinction. Our identity lies in the fact that we are children of God, And we are in Christ, a Christian, in terms of his or her deepest identity, is also a saint, a child born of God, a divine masterpiece, a child of light, a citizen of heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard great songs. I've read intelligent books. I've listened to sermons. And it's very reassuring to know that I am created in God's image, But when the daily grind hits, I really wonder what it means to have a body that is made in God's image, in his identity. So how is your identity shaped? How is your body shaped by your identity? This is what we're going to explore right now. And the only way to do that is to go back in the time to actually press into your design to unpack the layers of your skin and examine the dna that lies within is there a fingerprint a thumbprint is there a marker of someone that made you i think there is and i see it in genesis so let's read genesis 1 27 to 31 so god created man in his own image In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Again, like I shared a moment ago, chances are you've read this passage, you've had people talk to you about it, it says very clearly that you were created in God's image, but I just want to push back a little bit and say, wait a minute, I came in here with other things that define me, that mark me, that make me, how do I really know that I was created in God's image? In fact, take the clothes that I'm wearing on my back. I'm curious, can the clothes help determine who we are and where we're from? Let's look at the labels. Let's take a second and just look at the labels. Where are your clothes made? Go ahead, take a moment, shout it out. Where are your clothes made? Help each other. All right? Go back to the scripture. Can you go back to the scripture? Thanks. So where are some of your clothes made? Cambodia. Malaysia, Thailand, Mako, Mexico. Mexico? Mexico. Oh, Mexico, Mexico, okay. Mexico. Where? China? Where else? Egypt. Egypt, wow. Korea, Korea. USA, Korea. USA. <laughs> yay! All right. The woman in the video made a distinction of her sunglasses. So these are from California. You can't get them here. Probably most of us can't get Egyptian clothes either. But we take time and consideration, well, most of us anyway, of what we wear and how we look. But if we went a little deeper, what's your skin tag say? Does your skin tag have a manufacturing date, location, and company? Don't go there. Don't look. But I guarantee that when we look at this passage in Genesis, we can see that we are made in God's image. We were created by God. And when you think about the ancient Near Eastern languages and the Hebrew text, I want to talk about image for a moment. That word image, in the time that these scriptures were written, meant idol. Idol. Or in likeness of. It meant to take something, to cut it out, carve it out, and create something in the image of what it is representing. For us in the world, we have a lot of idols, a lot of images representing something else. I traveled to Thailand with a mission trip, and I saw a lot, of, a lot of statues of Buddha. That's an idol. It, it, it's, it's a carved out image to represent this God called Buddha. In this word here, in this Hebrew text, in the original account of the creation of human beings, of mankind, God cut out, he formed, he fashioned representatives, he represented them as idols, image bearers of who he is, and that's who we are. We are God's idols, we are God's image bearers, we are God's creation. And there can be nothing more astounding that God would take the time to create you in his likeness. He created each and every one of us after himself. You are God's image. God did not take a photocopier and reprint a photograph. He created you from his hands and fashioned you to be you. There's an Old Testament scholar, Anthony Hokema, who says that Psalm 8 is a parallel passage to the Genesis account. This is what he says. The picture of man that emerges from Psalm 8 is similar to that sketched out in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. Human beings are the highest creatures God has made, an image bearer of God, who is only a little lower than God, and under whose feet all creation has been placed. All this is true despite man's fall in the sin. Thus, according to the Old Testament, fallen people still bear the image of God. You are created in God's image. You are created to reflect His glory. There can be nothing more staggering than to realize that when you stand out on a beautiful, sunny day, that you are God's highest achievement of creation. And as the sun rays come down and illuminate your face, you are reflecting back God's handiwork, His creation, His effort to say, I am God and you're my representative. You're my image bearer. I am putting you out as a statue for all to see. You are a representative, a marker, my testimony to who I am. I created you in my image, and I created you to reflect back my glory, to bring honor and praise to other people so that they can praise me, to praise God. Jesus Christ is the culmination of this glory. And we can read in the New Testament who Christ is and what he did and how he lived. But there are ample opportunities to see what it looks like to see Jesus as both divine and human. And if he's always been in concert in community with the Lord, we can learn from who he was and what he did and how he lives now and representative to how we can understand why our bodies are so important. And another person to look at would be Moses. Moses, when he actually went up the mountain to have an encounter with God, was in the brilliance, in the glory of God so much that his face shone with God's glory that when he came down with the mountain, his face was so brilliant that people hid from him. And he had to wear a veil until the glow wore off. We are brilliant. We are God's glory bearers. We represent God. Henry Wavnick, an Old Testament scholar as well, says, The entire world is a revelation of God, a mirror of his virtues and perfections. Every creature in his own way and according to his own measure, an embodiment of a divine thought. But among all creatures, only man is in the image of God, the highest and richest revelation of God, and therefore head and crown over all of creation. We have God, we have human beings, and then we have all the creation. We have given the opportunity to not only represent God as like a king would. A king would send out a representative from his court send out someone to represent the kingdom on behalf of the king, to be able to give decrees, to be able to collect taxes, to be able to let people know of peace and security that the kingdom provides. We are God's representative to actually go and share the truth of Christ. In the same point, God has given us a purpose, and that purpose is to take care of his creation. In the Genesis account that we just read, we are to be able to eat, The fish that we see and catch, the birds that fly, the animals. We are to cultivate and collect the crops. We are Lord. We're rulers over creation. God has given us the opportunity to be created in his image, to not only reflect his glory, but to be his representatives and to be his caretakers over his creation. That is a wonderful starting place to know that the the baby that comes out of the mother's womb has a great starting point for life. I am in God's image. I am to glorify the Lord. I am to represent God on earth. And I am to take care of his creation, to be a good steward of all his resources. God has given you an incredible gift. But chances are when you look in the mirror, you may have been in one point in your life or maybe you're wrestling with now that you don't like what you see in the mirror. In fact, some of you may wonder why you even have a mirror in your house. You hold up the mirror and you want to crack it, smash it, cover it. You don't like what you see. Hair is out of whack. No hair. You're too tall, too short. Not in the greatest shape. Too many zits. You just don't like what you see. Or perhaps it's the opposite extreme. You look in the mirror, mirror, mirror. Who's the fairest of them all? Don't tell me. I know. (laughs) Shrek had it right. Prince Charming did not get the princess. His vanity was only one of his flaws. But he was so wrapped up into his image that he didn't have an identity. He didn't have a security that held him true. Do you realize that the body that God has given you is a gift from God? That God has made you uniquely you. Close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes for a moment. Your body is a gift. God's hands made you, informed you. He created you and knew you, and knit you together before you were even put in your mother's womb. Because you know this, you can stand in awe of your body and know that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your body is a gift from God because God made you uniquely you. Okay, you can open your eyes. We have taught and talked about Psalm 139 off and on. But there's other Psalms, there's other scripture passages that define your identity in God's handiwork as a fashionable creature that he made. And he made you distinctly, and he made you different than every other human person. In a small way, you're like a snowflake. When all the snow is collected on the ground, it all looks white, it all looks the same. But when we take a snowflake and we put it under a magnifying scope, we realize that every snowflake is different. There are no two snowflakes that are the same. In the same way, there are no two human beings that are the same. Not even twins. Wrigley, spearmint gum, you got to go. It's not working. The double mint twin commercial. There are no two human beings that are the same. You are you. And no one else can be you or look like you. Are you comfortable with who you are? Because it sure seems in our culture there's a lot of discomfort in our image. There's more tattooing, more tinting, more coloring, more tucking more piercing more contact wearing even shaded contacts you may not know this but boston's one of the highest teeth whitening cities of all america there's something that we want to do to enhance our image to change the way we look we're not content in the gift god has given us. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to be unkept. I'm not saying that you have to not do anything to keep your body in order. I'm not saying that you have to, you know, wear sackcloth and put on ashes and just, you know, go around saying, the Lord is God and I'm not and grovel in the dirt so that people will know that you're the lowest form of human being made. But at the same point, you can't be vain about who you are. You can't look in the mirror and lord it over other people that, hey, God gave me a double portion of the good looks. (laughs) And you didn't get them. But, you know, I'll pray for you. Somewhere in the middle, we have to find the common ground that if we loathe our skin and have second guesses of the created image that God made us to be to reflect His glory, or we think we're better looking than we really are, or we realize that as we age, our good looks will fade because there's something that whether you're handsome or not, beautiful or not, Those are your descriptors. They're not God's. And the reality is with our human measurement of what we look like, that measurement does not go into eternity. And your beauty, your youth, your understanding of what you look like, like it or not, is going to change over time. And when I talk to people in their 50s or 60s, I often will hear from them, what happened to my soft skin what happened to my strength what happened to my hair (laughs) yet there's something that comes out that's amazing there's an inner beauty that shines it says in scripture that the glory of a man will be his white hair i don't know about you but when you see a baby born How many have seen a baby born recently? Okay, a couple of you. How many have ever seen a baby born? Okay, maybe in the movies or something? Never seen a baby born. Don't use that analogy again. Okay. (laughs) My wife has Christ-like eyes. When she sees babies because she's a pediatrician, nurse... Practitioner in pediatrics, that's better, okay? I don't want you to think she's a doctor, but she's equivalent to a high medical professional. She sees newborn babies, and every single time she'll come home. You won't believe this beautiful baby I saw today. Now, I unfortunately have eyes like Bill Cosby. I see a baby, and it's like, you know, it's not done cooking yet. That's a lizard, I think we got to put that back in the oven, and you know, hopefully it'll turn out better if we give it a little more time. But when you look in the mirror and realize that you're created in God's image, do you know that this is a two-way mirror, and that God's standing behind the mirror, and God is saying, "I made you, and you." are my child. I have given you your body as a gift because I love you. Chances are the last time you bought a special gift for a family member or a friend or someone that you really respect, deep in your heart, there was love welling up and that you took time, care, and attention to the detail, to get the right gift for the right person, to give it to that individual so that they would be like, wow, that was really thoughtful. That was special. And that's the same way we should look at our bodies. That God made you special. You are uniquely you created in God's image. You are a child of God. He has adopted you, included you, fashioned you as a family member. It's a two-way mirror. The next time you look and you decide whether you should color your hair or cut it off or whether you should tint your eyes or tattoo a part of your body, just ask the question, does God's image need to be marked up, covered up? hidden, you are a precious in God's sight. It says in Isaiah 43, 4, that you are precious and holy. You are fearfully and wonderfully made because God has made you distinct. And in this world of, of cutting in this world of devaluing human life, one of the things that I got caught up in here, and, and I'm going to share it briefly here, but it's something that I think I'm going to save for another day, that if we mark the image of God and you kill another human being, it says in Scripture that that's, that's like a heinous crime, that God is just terrible about that. It's one of the Ten Commandments, Also, not kill. Because you're killing God's image as another human being. It also says that we should not slander or talk badly or gossip or devalue another human being. Why? Because that person, that man or woman that you're making fun of, belittling, is made in God's image. It's God's idol. You're you're poking fun at God. And when you look in the mirror and you don't like what you see, you're telling God you screwed up. Then I'm a mistake. I want you to hit reset. Redo. Give me a new body. I'm tired of this. I don't like the mess you made. And I think those are honest experiences that we've had. But they're lies that we tell ourselves. They're not based on God's plan. His love. And it's truth that we found in Scripture and we can continue to read in the truth. Because you are made in God's image. You are made uniquely you. You are good. You are God's child and you are precious. In the Genesis account that we read at the beginning, it said that after he created all the heavens and the earth and the animals and the birds and the trees and the flowers and the plants, he came to create people. And he created them in his image. And after we read that whole account that talks about being created in the likeness of God and being stewards and caretakers of his creation, it says at the very end, and you are created very good. So oftentimes I find people talking to each other and I overhear a sense of self-doubt. And it's, deflated because they don't like their image and i sit there and i go lord please let them know the truth that they are dearly loved by you and created by you and what did you say in genesis you said that that person was created very good because god does not take callbacks god does not make rejects god does not have design flaws They were all created in his image for a purpose. Now that may open a whole can of worms to understand why some people may not come out to be the perfect image or a nice person or a clear representative of an absolutely flawless human being. Again, I turn to my wife. My wife says, I hate the term natural or perfect, or standard, when she helps give medical care to a child or a teenager. Because she sees again, through Christ-like eyes, that not everyone is the same. There is no standard of a human being, that we are all created uniquely and differently And from that, my wife takes it to mean that there are standard maybe health systems of a human body, but they're not standard image markers of a person. And that's refreshing. And I've learned a lot from my wife. It allows me to look at everyone with Christ-like eyes, whether you're tall or short, glasses or not, whether you have curly hair or straight hair, red hair or dark hair, or no hair, or receding hair. You are created uniquely and specially you because God wanted you to be that way. And again, for someone like me, that brings a lot of comfort and care because I realize that I'm not Vanity Fair and I'm not Prince Charming. good news is I don't have to be because all I need to know to look in the mirror and be comfortable in my own skin is what Scripture tells me. What Jesus has said. What the Lord has recorded. And from that I can get to the point where God has created me for a purpose. Why did God make me? He made me to be united with God. He made me for God. He made me God's temple. It says in 1 Corinthians sixteen 17, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? And that God's Spirit lives in you. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred, and you are that temple. Now, I just get blown away with this because I stand back and go, okay, God created me. He's given me a body as a special gift for me, He's given each of you your own body as a special gift. And now he's saying that your body is made for God. Your body is good enough. Your body is perfect enough. Your body is holy enough. Your body is made to hold God's Spirit. For those that accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we're told that the Spirit of God will be placed into deposit will be part of your inheritance, will be inserted into you so that you will be united with Christ and be brought together in God's family so that His Spirit resides in you. No longer do you have to be like Moses and climb a mountaintop to experience God's glorification. From now on, as the Holy Spirit is put in you, you will radiate with God's glory from the inside out, like we sang earlier tonight. God's beacon of His truth, His light, will be in your soul. And your whole body is being purified and perfected. It talks about in the end times, that Jesus will come again and there will be a new heavens and a new earth, and that we will get new bodies, physical bodies, just like Jesus Christ, when he was resurrected, had as a physical body. People could see the holes in his hand, touch him. He ate fish. He ate with them. We will have physical, what is called glorified bodies that are without defect, blemish, or flaw. And what we can do now is prepare for those beautiful, reclaimed, refashioned bodies that we will have for eternity by starting now to praise God with what He's given us. Because your body was made for God. It was a gift from God. It is for His good. When you think about why God gave you a body... He gave you a body so that you can be like Jesus. Jesus worshiped God. Jesus prayed. Jesus was in community with other people. Jesus ate food. Jesus used his body for God. We have gifts and talents and strengths and opportunities. Whatever God has given you, that is is your opportunity to serve God by using your body for His purpose, for His will. God loved you that He fashioned you with the opportunity to use your body to get from point A to point B, and in the process, to bring Him glory in what you do. That's the opportunity that you have to serve and love God, is to give Him back your body. After all, if you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior... He sent the Holy Spirit in you. So really what you're doing is you're taking God on a trip to do the Spirit's work in the process. And as the Spirit does His work in and through you, He uses you to reach other people. So your body, and I love, there's a casting crown song that talks about being the hands and feet of Jesus to reach out and be Jesus to other people. You and your body are the hands and feet of Christ to proclaim that God loves them and wants to reunite them with Himself. And your body is that opportunity for them to understand who Jesus Christ is. Now, you can believe, you can understand, you can hear that your body was created in God's image. That your body is a gift from God. And your body is to be used by God. But what can happen to you, to me, to any of us, is we can hear a message like this and walk out that door and all of a sudden we get caught up into the culture and we see the images That are attractive culturally. And the images say that a thin waif of a person, tall, slim, is the body that everyone wants. Yet, you know what I love about culture? If you travel around the world, you realize that God's plan is in place. God rejects culture because, in one culture, like in Samoa, It's a large person, extra heavy duty in American terms. In their terms, fit, healthy, full, vivacious, vibrant. And I just go, wow, Lord, you know that we need a gut check on our image. That we need to know that no matter where we live, we are still your image bearers. That we're still receiving your gift as our bodies." And that we're still to reach out to others and let them know that you love them. That you made them who you are. I hope and pray that we will mark this day as an opportunity to know that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And that God knows every hair on our head. He has plans to prosper us, ways to use us. Ways for us to reflect back His glory. And those opportunities allow us to stand upright. To walk forward with our heads up. Because our bodies were designed by God. Our bodies are in the image of God. And our bodies are to be used by God. In this whole series, as I've been... Praying and Reflecting. I got wrapped up, as I shared with uh, Joanne, Max Ocato. And he's written a book, When God Whispers Your Name. And it's a bunch of devotions. And there's one in here that I just thought I would share with you. It was really cute. It's titled, The Sweet Song of the Second Fiddle. For thousands of years, the relationship had been perfect. As far back as anyone can remember, the moon had faithfully reflected the sun's rays into the dark night. It was the greatest duel in the universe. Other stars and planets marveled at the reliability of the team. Generation after generation of earthlings were captivated by the reflection. The moon became the symbol of romance, high hopes in every nursery rhyme. Shine on harvest moon, the people would sing. And he did. Well, in a way he did. You see, the moon didn't actually shine, he reflected. He took the light given to him by the sun and redirected it towards the earth. A simple task of receiving illumination and sharing it. You would think such a combo would last forever. It almost did. But one day, a nearby star planted a thought in the moon's core. It must be tough being a moon, the star suggested. What do you mean? I love it. I've got an important job to do. When it gets dark, people look to me for help. And I look to the sun, and he gives me what I need, and I give the people what they need. People depend on me to light up their world, and I depend on the sun. So you and the sun must be pretty tight. Tight? Why? We are like Huntley and Grinkley, Hope and Crosby, Benny and Day, or maybe Edgar berger and charlie mccarthy who you know the man and the dummy well i don't know about the dummy part that's exactly what i mean you're the dummy you don't have any light of your own you depend on the sun you're the sidekick you don't have any name for yourself name for myself yeah you've been playing second fiddle for far too long you need to step out on your own what do you mean I mean, stop reflecting and start generating. Do your own thing. Be your own boss. Get people to see you for who you really are. Who am I? Well, you are, uh, well, uh, well. That's what you need to find out. You need to find out who you are. The moon paused and thought for a moment. What the star said made sense, though he had never considered it. The moon was suddenly aware of all the iniquities of the relationship. Why should he work at day and I get the night shift? Why should he be the one the astronauts stuck on first? I mean, and what, I'm sorry. And why should I be the one the astronauts stuck on first? And why should he always be accused of making the waves? And why should I always be accused of making the waves? And why don't the dogs and wolves howl at the sun for a change? And why should it be such an outrage to moon while sunning is accepted? Practice. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, asserted the moon. It's high time we had a solar-lunar equality up here. Now you're talking, prodded the, sun, the star. Go discover the real moon, the real you. Such was the beginning of the breakup. Rather than turning its attention towards the sun, the moon began turning his attention toward himself. He set out the course of self-enchantment. After all, his complexion was a disgrace. So full of craters and all, his wardrobe was sadly limited to three sizes, full, half cast and quarter-clad. And his coloring was anemic yellow. So girded with determination, he set out to reach for the moon. He ordered Glacier cracks for his complexion. He changed his appearance to include new shapes such as triangular and squares. And for coloring, he opted for a punk rock orange. No one is going to call me Cheese Face anymore. The new moon was slimmed down and shaped up. His surface was as smooth as a baby's bottom. Everything was fine for a while. Initially, his new look left him basking in his own moonlight. Passing meteors would pause and visit. Distant stars would call and compliment. Fellow moons would invite him over to their orbits to watch as the world turns. He and his friends, he had fame. He didn't need the sun until the trends changed. Suddenly, punk was out and prep was in. The compliment stopped and the giggles began as the moon was slow to realize that he was out of style. Just as he finally caught on and had his orange change to pinstripe, The style went to country. It was the painful coking of the rhinestones into a surface that caused him to finally ask himself, what's this all for anyway? You're on the cover of the magazine one day and forgotten the next. Living off the praises of others is an erratic diet. For the first time since he began his campaign to find himself, the moon thought of the sun. He remembered the good old... Millenniums when he when he craze when craze was not a concern, what people thought of him was immaterial since he wasn't in the business of getting people to look at himself. Any craze that came his way was quickly passed on to the boss. The sun's plan was beginning to dawn on the moon. He may have been doing me a favor. He looked down upon the earth. The earthlings had been getting quite a show. They never knew what to expect. First punk, then preppy, now country. Oddmakers in Las Vegas were making bets as to whether the new style would be chick or macho. Rather than be the light of their world, he was the butt of their jokes. Even the cows refused to jump over him. But it was the cold that bothered him the most. Absent from the sunlight left him with a persistent chill. No warmth, no glow. His full-length overcoat didn't help It wouldn't help him. The shiver was from the inside, an icy shiver from deep within his core that left him feeling cold and alone, which is exactly what he was. One night, as he looked down upon the people walking in the dark, he was struck by the futility of it all. He thought of the sun. He gave me everything I needed. I served a purpose. I was warm. I was content. I was what I was made to be. Suddenly, he felt the old familiar warmth. He turned, and there was the sun. The sun had never moved. I'm glad you're back, the sun said. Let's get back to work. You bet, agreed the moon. The coat came off, the roundness returned, and the light was seen in the dark sky. A light even fuller. A light even brighter. And to this day, whenever the sun shines and the moon reflects, the darkness is illuminated. The moon doesn't complain or get jealous. He does what was intended to do all along. The moon beams. So the next time you get caught in the Detroit airport, and you think more highly of yourself than others, no, it's okay. To be put in your place. Because the son. Jesus Christ. The Lord God almighty. Will be standing there to back you up. And the next time you feel lost. Isolated. Or discouraged. Because of the body God gave you. Know like a four year old girl. That you can be confident. And comfortable. In knowing your name. Because God does. He made your frame, and he wants you to live with the security and trust that your body is a gift, and that he wants to reside in you because he's made you for a purpose. Let's listen to a song and look at some images as we reflect on this message.